Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I just encourage you to respond to when when God is when the Lord is saying something to you and it's it's stirring your heart. Just just respond to Him. Can you bring the lights up now, Bill? Thank you. Um, when there you go, I can see your faces. Um, you know when sometimes we're so used to when we gather as the church that we just sit and watch. Many, that's what that's what we do. We we don't we don't we don't we don't enter in all the way. It's it's kind of we're still on the outside looking in. And so we had we had all these words of invitation today. So I just I just say just just be free to enter in. I mean we had the 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 word about the the veil has been torn. God is inviting you into His presence. And then we have a strong word about God wants to bless you. He wants to you know you want to come on in. Come you know believe what He's saying. Whatever that means for you to engage with that, then do it. Take a step, but do something. Respond to God. Um, so I just, I just encourage you, and, and don't just do it in the moment. You know, remember what, what, write down something. If it really stirs your heart, write it down and say, what does this mean for me, Lord? What, what, what were you saying to me specifically through this, God? What were, what are you, how do you want me to respond to this? But that, that way it's not just a, a feel-good moment where we're like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. And then we just move on with life and we're the, we're the same that we were. It's like, what is, what is God inviting you into? What is, he, what is He stirring in your heart? How are you engaging with Him in a relationship? Not as a, not as a spectator. Not just as a, you know, it says in, I believe it's Psalm 107, uh, could be 103 or 105, but one of those ones, it says that God made his way known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Only Moses entered in. Everybody else was just watching. They were just spectators. They're like, oh, cool, water out of a rock. Awesome. I'm going to drink that. <laughs> oh, manna from heaven. I'm going to eat that. You know, it's like, but they never were drawn in to actually know God. It said that only Moses, only Moses drew near to God. It says he stayed in the tent. I mean, it says he's, he went into the tent to meet with God. It says that he went up the mountain. It says that he, in other words, there was, an, there was a relationship that Moses had that everyone else was just looking on the outside. You can watch somebody do something amazing. I use sports analogies because I watched sports growing up and sometimes I still watch them now. There's a big difference between being a fan and being on the field. I mean, I don't know anything about professional sports about being on the field, just to clear that up. But maybe I could have made it. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm still recovering from that. Okay. <laughs> That's an inside joke with my wife. Sorry. Um, 
There's, a, there's just a big difference between being on the field and just watching. I mean, think about this. Even if you were on the, on the sideline, let's say, let's just, what's the sport going on right now? Baseball. <laughs> oh, you're like, I know there's that hand egg game going on right now. Hand egg. So anyway, let's just take football since most of you care about football. Um, who's the best football player right now? Okay, this is a bad question. Okay. Let's say Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or whoever, okay? Just one of the great players in the NFL. And I get to watch them and see what they're doing. And I'm wowed by that. That's amazing. I can watch and go, oh, that was, that was an amazing throw. That was an amazing catch, whatever. Um, I don't even know the guys anymore. So, but, you know, that's so amazing. But what if you got to sit next to them on the sideline and they got to tell you how they did stuff. And then even further, they said, hey, guess what? I want you to come with me to my practice. And you're going you're gonna to train and watch me train and actually train with me right next to me. Would that be amazing? Dak Prescott? I don't know. Whoever. No. Sorry. Is there any good players in the Cowboys right now? <laughs> okay. So the point is... He made known his deeds to the people of Israel. They just got to see it and was like, wow, God. But he made known his ways to Moses. He said, Moses, come along. Let me show you how this works. And that's the difference between just being a spectator and being engaged in what God is doing. So that was free. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. This can apply to that, but definitely was, that was spontaneous. So, Philippians chapter 1. I think we're going to start just going through Philippians. So, we'll start in chapter 1, at verse 1. Philippians 1. Now, Philippians, this book was written to the church at Philippi. And so, if you have read the book of Acts, it's found in the, book, in, in the chapter 16 where Paul actually is invited by a supernatural vision at night to go to this place. You know, this is how this church was started. This is, he's writing to the church that's at the city of Philippi. And so if you remember, if you haven't, or you haven't read that story, in Acts 16, Paul is trying to figure out where to go. His Paul and Silas and his traveling companions, they go one place and they feel like God says, no. And it's like Jesus keeps shutting the door for him. It's like, we're trying to do the work of you, Jesus, and you keep telling us no. And so finally he has a dream at night of a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. And so he gets up the next morning and says, I think we should go there. (laughs) Brilliant deduction, right? It says they talk. And so they head to the capital city of Philippi. And so in that city, the first person who becomes a believer in Jesus, the first person in Europe, this was like God leading him to break forth the gospel in Europe, which is so cool, um, is a woman named Lydia. And it says she opens her heart to the Lord. And she was a a God-fearing Jew, but she didn't know about Jesus. She didn't know about salvation. She didn't know about relationship with God. She didn't know the veil had been torn, uh, that she could enter into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. And so this amazing thing happens. And then Paul's walking through the city, and there's this girl that's screaming at him. 
who has a demon and she's screaming the truth. Why would a demon be screaming the truth? You have any idea? Because if the demon can be the one responsible for the truth, they can distort it. Think about that. Does Jesus want... Why do you think Jesus told the demons to be quiet when they said, when, he, when Jesus was on earth, he would come up to them and they would say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He said, don't talk about that. Because he doesn't want the enemy to be the one directing people to truth because he's going to distort it. So it's the same thing in Philippi. Is this, this girl is screaming, these are servants of the Most High God. And finally Paul's like, I can't have her She's not the one that's going to lead people to truth. What is in her and what is speaking through her is not going to lead people to the true gospel. It doesn't matter if she's saying the right thing right now. There is something wrong with the heart and the the motivation and the purpose for her saying that. And so Paul says, hey... Come out of her in Jesus' name. And she's delivered. And then they get thrown in jail. And of course, this is a famous story where it says Paul and Silas. It's midnight. And they're singing praises to God. And then it says there was an earthquake. And the prison doors open. And the chains fall off their wrists. Now, that's a worship service right there, baby. <laughs> when all the ch- You don't even have to like release the chains. They just come off. The prison doors open, and then, of course, the whole family of the jailer comes to know Jesus that very night, and they're baptized in the middle of the night. So cool. So that's, that's how this church was started. It was started with supernatural breakthroughs. It was started with, with signs and wonders and miracles. It was started with, with, um, with a heart for, for joy and and celebration and worship. And so that's kind of the heart of this, uh, this book as we, as we step into it. And so I'll give you a little background. I know those are the people he's writing to. And so the good news of Jesus began to spread. They began to grow and grow and grow. And so later Paul's in prison again. <laughs> Happened a lot. And so he, he writes, write this, writes this letter to that church while he's in prison. So let's read the word together. Philippians 1, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word and lead us into truth as we read it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? With joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you, all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel... All you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long 
for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can you tell that Paul loved these people? I mean, he's not, not just, this is not just somebody making this up and like, hey, let me butter you up before I really like get you to the stuff I want you to do. Now we're going to take an offering. <laughs> you are such amazing people. Uh, I love you so much. Give me money. Okay. So verse 9, he, lo- he loved these people. He loved them. He didn't have to make it up. Philippians is also called what's, what, what's called a friendship letter. So it starts off with greetings of like saying, Here, here's the basis of our friendship. Here's, here's the basis of our relationship. Here's why we love each other. Here's why I love you. Here's why I care about you. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we're going to stop there, get through 11 verses today. So Paul starts off and he again, like I said, he begins to thank God. He thanks God for two things. He thanks God for the past and the future. Did you know you can thank God for the past and the future? That's a good idea. All my life you have been faithful. But then it also says your goodness is running after me. In other words, I'm thanking you for the future goodness. I'm thanking you for the things in the future that are going to happen because I'm believing that you are who you say you are. That you're going to do what you say you will do. And so I'm thanking God for the past, but I'm also thanking God for the future. I'm thankful for what he's already done, but I'm thankful for not only what he's doing, I'm thankful for what he's going to do. I still remember Brother J.D. Crawford, when we were at the prayer meetings, Mrs. Dorothy, there was some times where he'd say, we're done praying for this. He says, now we just need to thank God. You probably heard that, Paul, a couple times. You know, there's times where it's like, hey, we don't need to ask anymore. We, heaven has heard us. Now we're just going to begin to praise and thank God. We thank you, Lord, that it's done. We thank you that you are going to do this. We thank you. We give you honor and praise. We are thankful. You know, there's power in thanksgiving. We sang that first song, you know, I enter in with... In his gates with thanksgiving. You know, one of the things we learned at men's retreat uh, is this. And I, I, I won't forget this. I, is, is Pastor Bruce got up and he said this. He said, how many of you prayed for God to give you a safe trip when you travel here? Most of us, yeah, we prayed at some point, you know. We prayed. We prayed, we prayed here before we got in the car, okay. But then he said, how many of you when you got here prayed and thanked God? Right. No, I unloaded my bag. <laughs> got my guitar out. Got want to get set up for all this stuff. But it's just so powerful. We get the, the power of Thanksgiving. You know, we're thanking God for what He's going to do, and then when He does it, we still get to thank Him because He already did it. So you can continue get this continual cycle of Thanksgiving. And so He says, "I thank my God every time I remember You in all my prayers." I pray with joy because why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That word partnership is the word koinonia. Okay? 
If you've been in church a long time, you may have heard what koinonia is. Generally, that word is called, is translated fellowship. What do you think of when I say fellowship? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Valid, but okay, in church context, he said, he said Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, fellowship of the ring. Okay, a good talking child. I love it. So, but relate it to Christian life, okay? When I say fellowship, what do you think of? Potluck. You think about hanging out with people, home groups. You're gathering together. We're going to have fellowship together. And what, what is it? In other words, we're sharing life together. We've got stuff going on. There's, we are all in this together, and we are sharing our lives and loving one another. And so that's the word he says. Your fellowship, your koinonia in partnership with the gospel. In other words, we're all in this together. It's not just Paul doing the work. And again, everybody else gets to watch Paul do it. It's the difference between being a spectator and being engaged in the, in the work of the gospel. It's the difference between just being a consumer of religious goods and a partner, a participant in the gospel of Jesus. And what Paul is saying, hey, look, you are the partners. You're at work with me. This is a team effort. You know, when, when you are a partner in something, let's say you open a business. There's several of you that own businesses in this place. When you open your own business, man, that's your baby, right? That's, that's, you know, you pour your heart and soul into that thing. And so you'll give extra to it. You'll work hard to it. But you hire somebody onto the business, guess what? They, if they're not a partner, if they have no vested stake, most likely they're not going to be as committed as one who is a full-fledged partner if we're together in this we are i am invested i am i am you know i own this and many times as people of god we're just being like hired workers thank you (laughs) i mean let's be honest with most of our jobs Except for me. <laughs> for many of you, it's, it's just a job. You're like, I don't, I'm not, I don't care if this, this goes amazing. I'm, I'm here to do my job and honor God and, you know, live a life unto Jesus. But it's, you're not, it's not like, you know, if that ceases to exist and I go work somewhere else, I'm not thinking about that. I've moved to a new job, right? But if you're a partner, that's your heart and soul. You're you're connected to that. You can't get away from it. So that's that's the call to be a partner, not a consumer. Jesus, what what does it say in in the Scriptures? That we are joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ? You know, we're not just, it's not just, hey, we're not just consumers just to consume what He gets gives us i mean that's what a consumer is they're consumed with something they they consume and so it's like yeah i'm I'm getting that i'm getting that i'm getting that i'm getting that i know i harp on this a lot so anyway this is definitely one of my hot things but it's like we have to learn to be how do i partner in the gospel 
in the good, what's the gospel? That's the good news of Jesus. How is my life a partnership in seeing the good news of Jesus multiplied in other people? Or am I just a spectator? Am I just a consumer? Do I just say, God, I need to get something from you so I can have a good life? It's a big difference between being a partner. I mean, it's the same thing we have with our workers. Those of you that own businesses, not, not true of every employee, but some employees, they're just, they're, they're just doing their job, but they're not going to do anything more than their job. They're just going to simply do what they're asked. But someone who's a partner who is part owner, who's joint heirs, who is co-heirs, with, they're like, I am all in. I'm going to give everything for this. Now, I'm not telling you to overwork yourself. Don't hear me say any of those things. We're, we're just using the analogy, okay? You get that. Um, but he says, look, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And number two is this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is a long-term partnership. This is a lifelong partnership. That I am committed to the gospel of Jesus my entire life or until Jesus comes back. That all of who I am is consumed with being a partner in the gospel of Jesus and living out His good news for everyone else to see it. Do you see what a change in mindset that is for the American church? To have a nice big show and everybody shows up and we go, yeah, Jesus. And then we go live our lives the rest of the week and there's nothing of the gospel in our life. Why do you think the church is sick in America? There's no partnership. We're just spectators. I know I'm preaching to the choir. Some of y'all are like, you're not talking to me, right? I don't know. If God's talking to you, then I'm talking to you. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, 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 then you're probably, on, you're probably a partner. But be a partner. But the good news is this. The greatest partner is Jesus Christ. That he begins the good work in you. And he's going to keep doing it until the day of Jesus Christ. That he's committed for the lifelong partnership. He's not going to give up on you even if you give up on him. Even if you fail, he's never going to fail. Even if you say, I'm just going to take a couple weeks off. (laughs) This thing's too hard, God. I'm not living for you for a couple weeks. I'm just going to chill. (laughs) I mean, we do that sometimes. We're like, eh, you know. But he's still working. He's still, just like that song, we sang a lot of truth today. That's good. He's going to keep going and going and going until the day of Jesus Christ. So we need to keep our eyes on who? Jesus. Because if we get our focus off of just my performance, then guess what happens? (laughs) I'm only looking to myself. I'm only looking to what I can provide I'm only, you know, focusing. I mean, that's why if you try to get free from sin, it's not going to work. By focusing on sin. You're like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That last part of the sentence really helped, huh? (laughs) 
My pastor said, if I try to get free from sin, it won't work. <laughs> that is a direct quote. <laughs> but it, context is important. If you focus on sin or not sinning. You get free by focusing on Jesus who began the good work in you. Who began the good work in you? It's Jesus. He started something good. Now keep your eyes on him. He is committed to do the good work in you. So trust him. Look to him. Keep your eyes on him. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you can share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's the good news. We got lots of other partners to do this work with. We get to share our lives together with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and give our lives together. You know, it's a whole lot easier with a team. It's a whole lot easier with a team. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, and in, in fact, I just, I just love you so much. And that's how it should be in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean we don't have to forgive each other and don't have things that come up. But it's just like, I love you. And if I don't, what's wrong? If we ever find ourselves in a place where it's like we're not loving the, the people of God that are around us, we should say there's something wrong. Probably it's not with them, maybe a little bit. but Because <laughs> we all mess up. But just like in your marriage, when you pray to God, say, oh God, change my wife or change my husband. What does God say? Probably nothing. He just ignores it. So <laughs> it's a stupid prayer. Yeah. He usually says, how about this? You're like, that has nothing to do with my wife. <laughs> and then usually he doesn't answer that question either. The other thing is this, that Paul, throughout this, this, this uh, letter especially, he's focused on the gospel that the importance of the gospel, that he mentions the gospel more and more in Philippians than almost any of his other letters, uh, because he's like, that's what Paul was about. He was about living the good news and seeing the good news spread to everyone who needs to hear the good news and receive the good news. And sometimes it's good for just a, a little reset to, to be reminded, why am I not dead? Why am I still on earth? It's because of the good news of Jesus. Yes, it's going to start with my family. Absolutely. It should start with our families. You know, we're going to live and demonstrate the gospel as a father and a mother. And as children, we get to live and demonstrate what it looks like to have the good news of Jesus in our lives. Is that perfection? No, but it's transformation. It's change. Anybody who hasn't changed as a follower of Jesus in the last year, you're not following Jesus. 
I didn't say you weren't saved. I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. Didn't say he doesn't love you. Didn't say you should be condemned about that. But you're not following him. You're not engaged in, in the good news of Jesus being released in your life. You should be different than you were last year. The good news is you don't have to make it happen. You just have to follow Jesus. You have to trust him. You get to keep your eyes focused on him. And, uh, you know, respond to him in obedience. But he's put it before you. And Paul then closes with this prayer. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so Paul closes with this. He says, here's the one thing I'm going to pray about you is I want you to have so much love that you'll know what to do. I want, he doesn't, doesn't, notice he doesn't say, I want you to love to abound more and more so that you feel great. <laughs> so that you just feel the love. Can you feel? Okay. <laughs> no, he says, look, I want your love to abound more and more so that you, you know what's right and you have discernment and so that you're able to discern what is best and then you can do it. So you're not confused about what your life is supposed to be like. What am I supposed to do in this situation? If I have discernment and insight and knowledge that God gives me, it's going to be pure and blameless and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live a life that's filled with the fruit of righteousness. What is the fruit of righteousness? The blessing of right living. Again, it's not to, so I'm right with God, it's because I'm right with God. Because I've been saved, because I've been changed, I live right. I don't live a good life so that God is pleased with me. I don't live a good life so, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do. I live a good life because I've been changed and I'm following Jesus and He is producing the very life of Jesus in my heart through the Holy Spirit. But I am a partner in that. I am a participant in that. I have to participate with the Holy Spirit and His work in my life. It's not automatic. Don't you wish it was? Wouldn't it be, you know, but God doesn't want robots. He doesn't want just slaves either. He doesn't want just servants. Yeah, we serve God. Yeah, He's our Lord and Master. Absolutely. We start there, but He lifts us up and says... I've no longer called you servants. I'm calling you friends now. You know, and you're co-heirs with Christ. You're, you're on the same level as Jesus. In terms of the inheritance of God, that sounds like heretical when you say it, right? Notice I didn't say, we're not God. Okay, let's just clear that up. If anybody hears me say that, we're not little gods. You know, we're not going to become gods. All that, but we are on the same level in terms of relationship, access to God, inheritance, and what God has given us. We are on the same level with Jesus. We are co heirs. We are joint heirs. We are joined together with Jesus forever as his children, or as his brothers and sisters, excuse me, children of the Father. 
I mean, it's mind-blowing, right, if you think about it. It's kind of like Tommy was saying, like, God wants to bless you right now. Well, you know, why would not, does, does God the Father want to bless Jesus? Does he want to just pour out all of his blessings upon Jesus? Yeah, guess what? You're co-heir. You're now, according to the Bible, the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 6.20. So is God going to bless the one who, is, who he views as the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ? Yes, he is. He's going to bless you by giving everybody new Ferraris tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that kind of thing. I mean, he can bless you financially. Absolutely. God's going to give you what will actually bless your life, though. There's one scripture where it says that God, in, in Acts, where it says, you know, you're, you're blessed by turning from your repenting of your sins. That's the blessing right there. Sometimes it's just, hey, I'm going to bless you and change you, set you free. So we get to live a life that's pure and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words... Everything is focused on when Jesus comes back. You know, if we... It's fashionable right now to, to quote end times things, right? Because, you know, all things are happening that like, oh, it could be the end times. You know, have you seen that meme? It's out there, or that's not a meme, it's like this thing. You know, oh, the world is wanting us to get to the cashless society. You know, that's what the Antichrist is going to be, blah, 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 uh, and all that. And we're like, all these Christians are repos. Oh, my gosh, it's happening. Oh, my gosh, it's happening. This could be it. This could be the mark of the beast. <laughs> but the idea that the day of Jesus Christ is approaching for Paul means this. I live a life. In the fruit of righteousness. I don't have to figure out. Who the Antichrist is. <laughs> I don't have to figure out. Again I'm probably preaching in the choir here. I don't have to figure out. Is this the mark of the beast or not? You're not going to accidentally take it. As a Christian. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't know. <laughs> but here's the point. It's good to focus on the return of Jesus if it changes the way we live. If it just gets us looking for what does the book of Revelation mean, then I'm off track. It's not so I can figure out everything. It's so I can live a life of love and wisdom and righteousness in this world in partnership with the gospel and what God is doing in my area, in my world, in my life, in my family, in my neighborhood. I get to be a partner with the gospel. And I'm going to get more love. My love is going to abound more and more. But it's going to be a love that has knowledge. It's going to be a love that has discernment. It's going to be a love that has wisdom. It's going to be a love that knows what to do. That I can act on that love. and not It's not just a feeling. It's about the now and the not yet. We're, we're living a life of the future and the present. Just like we've talked about all through the study in the Holy Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit is a deposit of the future so we can live the future and the present until that day when the future becomes the present. Until the day of Jesus Christ. What's that day? That's when Jesus comes back. When it's all over. Maybe we are in the fourth quarter. 
But what do they say when you're playing football? You know, on, when fourth quarter, fourth quarter starts, everybody puts up their hands. Four. Hey, in other words, hey, we're going to give it all now. So now, if this is now the time, then now is the time to give our all. Now is the time to finish well. Now is the time to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside anything that would hinder me or stop me from living the life of Jesus. I'm going to walk forward into it. Because I can be confident that God has begun a good work in me. He's going to carry it out. But I'm a partner. I'm not just a, not just a spectator. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stop there. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and stand. just want to pray over you. And we'll have our leaders come up if you need specific prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that we can be partners in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the good news, living the good news, displaying the good news, multiplying the good news to everyone around us, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that anything where we have gotten focused on something that is not you, God, we we repent and we choose to turn away from that thing. Even if it's good, even if it's, you know, a, a good idea, if it's not you, Lord, if it's not a God idea, we don't want to follow you. We don't want to focus on that, God. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us into all truth. We thank you for lifting our eyes that we will be confident that you are working in our lives. We will be confident that you are the one that's going to carry us into that day. And we will keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Lord, we will grow in love. Lord, that our love will abound more and more in depth of knowledge and insight and discernment, God. We just thank you, Lord, that for a love that goes beyond human love. Lord, we need that in our world today. And so we invite you to produce that fruit in us, God, that we can partner with you to allow you to live the life that is a life worthy of you. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, I want our leaders to come on up. If you need prayer today, please don't leave here. If you need healing in your body, if you need to give your life to Jesus, um, don't leave here without receiving prayer today. And ladies, come on up. If you are going to the ladies, anything about the ladies, come on up and talk to the ladies. Just a reminder, there's a ladies meeting tonight at 530. So salad bar, we're going to do a big salad bar and dessert. You can talk to Sharon about what you're going to be bringing. She's up here. If you have any questions, see us. If you're going to the retreat, we'll have a little powwow.